Hi. Hey, welcome to Lunch Plus. We're super excited to have you. It is Thursday. We're really excited about this Thursday because we are introducing a brand new segment and we're really, really stoked to tell you all about it. Right now, as you're hopping on, go ahead and comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, so that we can say hi to you, like my wonderful husband, George, who says, hello, and Kevin oh, that, says, good morning, what's right, family? Is that how you read that, hello? I mean, I could read it like, hello, but it's not as pleasant like to my ears. It sounds like Scooby-Doo. Hello. That's probably why, because he's a big Scooby-Doo fan. But that looks like, hero. <laughs> That's how I read it. I'm like, hero. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie says hi from Baden. Phyllis says howdy y'all. Candy, Candy, we love you. Candy says hello from Red Cross. Kevin says good morning. Pastor Brian says from Albemarle. He's Brian from Albemarle. <laughs> okay. We're going to tell you all about what's coming up today because it's going to be a great one. It Here was we go. Scooby. It was Scooby. All right. Well, we're starting off with our a brand new segment called Who Would Win in a Fight? <laughs> <laughs> This is gonna be a lot of fun. Truth. Uh, oh, like I'm. I would tell you about it, but I won't. All right. <laughs> After that, we have a time of Q and A. We're gonna be answering a very important question today. I'm excited about this one. After Q and A, we have confession time, and then that will be followed up with the man who would be king. Pastor Brian is back, everyone. He is back. He's back. But fun fact, real quick, because um, I think this changed and we before we got to adjust the graphic. It's not oh, the man right. who would be king today. It's going to be something totally different. Pastor Ryan's going to be talking about controlling the kids, how to live a peaceful life, and it's not what you think. So whatever you're it's thinking not. it's going to be, it's going to be something totally different. Share it. It's going to be a powerful word. But yeah. right now, as you know, it's one of our favorite times. It's when we get to hang out with you guys. Family chat is where we're at, and here's right, our wait, very wait, wait. first. Kevin what? put, Kevin will win one a fight. One a fight. If it's a fight in grammar, Kevin will not <laughs> win that fight. I'm so sorry. Buddy is dropping, uh, dropping bombs today. Okay, anyway, question number one. Black coffee or cream and sugar? Um, definitely not black coffee. Cream and sugar. <laughs> I almost said black coffee, and then I had to rethink about it. Like, I'm like, um, I, I really enjoy sugar and cream in my coffee. I really enjoy sugar. I was hoping you were going to stop there. I really enjoy sugar. <laughs> I really enjoy sugar. Kevin says black coffee for sure. Wait, 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 wait. So I'm assuming the cream and sugar <laughs> is in the coffee, right? It's in coffee, not just cream and sugar by itself. We're talking, we're talking about cream and sugar in your coffee. Uh, Chris said, Christopher says black coffee, Priscilla says cream and sugar, Candy says keto coffee, which is black coffee, tell me if I'm wrong, Candy, black coffee, and then you probably use like some sort of swerve or stevia Swirling. or something like that, yeah. and then uh, she does bulletproof coffee, so there's butter, and then there's um, what? like some sort of oil, right? You put butter in your coffee? Yeah, it's called bulletproof coffee. That's a thing? I've done it. When I did keto, I did it for a while, and the texture was a little weird. It's not bad, though. Um, Johnny says cream and sugar. George says cream and sugar. Um, two tiny spoons full of, spoonfuls of sugar. I like a little coffee with my cream and sugar. Kevin says, hi, Mom. Uh, Hannah wants to know how we drink coffee. Show her the way. MCT oil. That's what it is. She does MCT oil and ghee. That's what's in keto coffee. M MCT oil, that sounds like something I'd put in my car. <laughs> I'm like, just put in some motor oil. Yeah. I, so at this moment, if I drink coffee, I do, um, 
I, I, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd do the cream and sugar, but I'm looking to be more of the black coffee realm, so I'm not having the additives. That's what I'm looking to do. I, I was that kid who would take the little thing of creamer and open it and just take <laughs> shots of creamer. Oh. That, that's honestly, that's pr it's really good. <laughs> it's, oh. it's sweet, but it's really good. Ashley Melton, I love you. Happy Thursday. Okay, question number two. Bum, ba -dum. Gatorade or Powerade? They are both the worst, so what? neither. Why would you say something They so taste super cool. gross. They're, they're really good when you need like more um, sodium. Like they're, they're so very pickle salt. juice. I can well, do that. <laughs> you'd rather drink pickle juice than Gatorade All or Powerade? All day long, That's... I would rather drink pickle juice than Gatorade. All day long. And That's... Pastor Nicole will be with me whenever she hops on. Super interesting. Holly says Gatorade. Marky says Gatorade. Kevin says Powerade is much better. Um, George said that he did that with creamer as well. Priscilla's on board with the pickle juice. Like, that, but pickle juice isn't an option, so you have to true. choose. It's Gatorade I, or Powerade. I pick fast. Johnny says Gatorade. Marky says Gatorade. Fast. Ashley says Gatorade in emergencies only. Ashley's my girl. Candy says neither. So bad for you. Yeah. They're, neither of them are good. Have you ever had pickle popsicles? No. They're great. I'm sure they are. I, you just wait till you and Serena come over to the house. That's going to be your dessert after These dinner. Pickle popsicles? Great. Yep. That sure sounds like be. such a, such a great dessert. When you're fasting and all you're having is water, it's a treat. Oh, <laughs> if you're not eating anything <laughs> or had, drinking anything no, but no, water. No, no, no. That, I had this recently. Like I'm, I had this very, very recently. Mm -hmm. George told me I have to sing his comment. I missed your comment. So you'll have to re-put it if you want me to sing it. Holly says pickle popsicles. See, see, there are people. But, yes. But these aren't options. <laughs> like yeah. it's Gatorade or Powerade. I know, but you brought in the sodium, I would so say, I hijacked it. I, I see that. I would say, <laughs> I, I honestly would say Powerade. Um, they, they are like, <laughs> sports drinks are not hummingbird food, Ashley Melton. Ashley Melton said there's no difference in sports drinks and hummingbird food. That's my new favorite comment. Even though hummingbird food is literally just water and sugar. For sure. <laughs> but there's, there's also, there's also salt and some flavor in it. Yum. And a lot of dye. So, Boy. That's what makes it so great. Can you be involved in advertising, please? <laughs> salt, flavor, and dye. It's so good. What if they made a pickle-flavored Gatorade? Would you drink no. it? No. Okay. No, I'll just drink the pickle juice. That's <laughs> okay. Like, no, I'm good. Okay, question number three. <laughs> you guys are my Mullet people. or mutton chops? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so gross. 100% I would prefer mutton chops over a mullet. Oh. What? Mm. I used to have pretty long sideburns, mm. like down to here, until Serena, Serena mm. like, asked me to cut them off. Mm-mm. And then I did, and she said, I like it better, and then I never went back. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, I was trying to impress her. I should go home back now. No. <laughs> Kevin says chops. Hannah says mutton chops. Priscilla says mullets. Um, George says, upon reflection, you guys might not know my comment to sing it. It was the Gatorade theme song. Yeah, I, I didn't know Gatorade had a theme song. I didn't either. Um, Priscilla says mutton chops are weird. Holly says I'm neither, sorry. but if I have to choose, chops. Debbie says mutton chops. Um... George says mullet. Okay, so George, I'm on team mullet as well, actually. Like, I used to have a mullet. I, George used to have a mullet. 
Really? I, it's, it was a great moment. Pictures. I'll show you. Please. I'll show you. Um, I won't do it on the broadcast, but I'll show you. Uh, of the two, I, I, so with facial hair, I don't like when facial hair gets out of control. Like, George has such a great, like, it's, it's nice, it's a tight beard, like, it's, he keeps it super trim, but when mutton chops are just all over your face, like, I'm, I'm not What if board. you have nice trimmed mutton chops? Mm -mm, I still don't like it. <laughs> I still don't like it. Um, like, I'd be more on board with a Jonathan Shuttlesworth mullet. It didn't say how long the mullet had to be, and I could get on board with a Jonathan Shuttlesworth mullet than mutton chops. Like, I I super think, not good. I think you hit a chord with Kevin. It, so I, really? I'm okay with it. Really, Barrett? I'm okay. George and I are on the same page with that, and I'm never going to have to grow mutton chops or a mm. mullet, so George and I. Candy says she's with me. Candy and I talked about this the other day, actually. Um, Priscilla agrees with you, too. Yep. I've, I've got the ladies. facial hair in check. I've got men take note if it ever comes down to one or the other. <laughs> um, good afternoon, Lisa. We love you tons and tons. Yeah, I, I just, I've never, I know. I would not rock a ZZ top beard. No. Uh, no. Julie says mullet. See? See? The ladies are, the ladies. That's also because a lot of the people commenting mullet are from the South where that's normal. I'm not from it's the no, south. It's normaler. I mean, I said the people commenting are from the south. It's normaler down here. To have a mullet? Yeah. Is it more normal in the north to have chops? Uh, probably. To keep half of your face warm while your chin freezes? Yeah. No. There no. was there's uh, so my brother <laughs> my brother-in-law's brother uh, has mutton chops. And there, he, and he's like 17, 18. There's a certain look and a certain type of person who could pull them off like mm -hmm. but it's not everyone it's mm -hmm. a very select group an elect group if you will of people who could rock the chops otherwise it's just a lot and it's triangle face like that's what ends up it's triangle face i i'm good but you know my husband agreed with me and we'd go with the mullet route he's had it before he was cute Okay. okay, fourth of the day. <laughs> fourth of the day. Matching or mismatched socks? Matching. Is this a question? Yes, because Is that the, a youth, normal thing? the youth of the nation, they use mismatched socks. Mm. Rachel Ann Wright is mismatched all day long. She will intentionally mismatch her socks. It's a movement. I, I think it's a movement that started from... Losing socks? Losing socks in the laundry. <laughs> Kevin says matching, Holly says matching, Priscilla says matching, but mismatched for her daughter Josephine. Mm. Hannah says mismatched because they are fun. Kevin does not like mismatched socks. He is putting a strong emotion in the comment. That is very strong. Um, he says it's, it's obnoxious. Ashley says matching socks. Holly says her daughter is mismatched socks. So it, it's a, like a, a 19 minus, like l lower well, than 19. Well, Marky's coming in there with a mismatched sock okay. somewhat. She says that she only mismatched her Puma socks of different colored symbols. Johnny says matching. Ashley says that her brain can't handle mismatched socks. Pastor Nicole says mismatched, so or mismatched screams lazy. And she thinks EO does it just to irk her mama. That's probably true. That's EO another. has a very strong opinion on socks. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but like no. EO has strong feelings and... 
and a strong love of socks. Interesting. And she loves them being mismatched. We recently discussed this while I was driving her home. I'm matched all day long. Joni supports you. Mismatch only because I can't find them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that's where that started. Like, I can't find the matching socks for any of my socks. Might as well just do this. And then someone's like, hey, that's cool. And then instant trend. I, I used to feel shame when my socks were mismatched. And I thought everybody mm -hmm. could notice and tell. Like, because I only mm -hmm. ever wore white socks. But if they weren't the right white socks, like if they're slightly different or like cut differently, I'm like, people mm. can tell. I don't like it. Wow. And so I, I never did it. Also, fun fact, guys. Remember how yesterday I was talking on the top 10 and I asked Mama Crabtree to send me Buddy Senior pictures of him wearing the Puka Shell necklace? Fun, exciting news. I have Buddy Senior pictures. So prepare for that someday on the broadcast. It's going to be amazing. Um, we're also going to start something very soon involving Buddy called Find Your Buddy. We may do that tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. It sounds like we're on like a third grade field trip. Find Your Buddy! <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so good. Well, thank you for being on here for family time. We are about to hop into our first segment of the day. And my goodness, I'm excited. Oh, you're going to love this one. Here we go. We're going to be right back. Join or share the broadcast so other people can join. We'll be back in 30 seconds. See you soon. This is Kevin. <laughs> and tell us something about yourself, Kevin. I don't know. I'm just improvising. Um, so I am today, I'm doing a very exciting segment, and I'm going to get to take down Marky. That was boring. All right. No. <clears throat> I'm Marky. Wow. <laughs> and my favorite uh, person to follow on Instagram is an Instagram about cats. Thank you. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Well, welcome to Lunch Plus. We have an awesome broadcast for you. Let's show you the table of contents for today's show. First, we have a brand new segment called Who Would Win in a Fight? This is going to be a brand new uh, kind of a debate kind of uh, segment. I'm excited about this one. After that, we have a segment of Q&A uh, where we're going to be answering a, a, a really important question today. Uh, today's question for Q&A is actually going to be, does God choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? That's going to be a good question. At the Q&A, we have a time of confession followed by what's the word uh, with Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian's back today, guys. So it's going to be a good se uh, session today, but we're going to start off with who would win in a fight? <laughs> All right. Well, they, welcome. They just go ahead and put in my name now, right? <laughs> no. That's not how it works. I'm, no. I'm quite sure. That's no, not. I'm winning how it works. <laughs> Welcome to our very first ever Who Would Win in a Fight segment. Here's how this segment's going to go. We are going to bring up two random people. It might not even be people. It might just be two random items. And, and you guys are going to have to 
essentially debate, all right, on who you think would win in a fight. But the thing is, you can't really choose, <laughs> you know, your side. Your mm -hmm. side's already pre mm -hmm. predestined. <laughs> mm -hmm. But what, how, this is how we're going to do, all right? Uh, mm -hmm. Marky, you're going to go first. Uh, are um, you sure? I think Kevin should go first. Ladies first. That's just how it works, all right? Okay. So that, that's the rule. But... We're going to give you 30 seconds to give your opening statement, and then, Kevin, you're going to have 30 seconds to give your opening statement, and then, and then you'll have another 30 seconds each to kind of rebuttal each other's opening statement. Okay. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. And, guys, we want you to participate in the comments. Who do you think would win in a fight? We want you to put up, uh, once we bring it up, we want you to put up in the comments, who do you think would win in a fight? And we're moving. We're moving. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. All right. We want you, we want you to, to, to put in the comments who you think would win in a fight. But now we're going to start off with our very first who would win in a fight battle. What's our first battle today? We have on Kevin's side grilled cheese or peanut butter and jelly. Who would win in a fight? A grilled cheese sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? All right, Marky, you're on the peanut butter and jelly side. Yes, I Put am. in the comments, <clears throat> who do you think would win in a fight between a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a grilled cheese sandwich? But Marky, <laughs> tell us, why do you think a peanut butter and jelly sandwich would win in a fight? Because you have 30 seconds. It has peanut butter, and peanut butter is amazing. He knows I have a personal space bubble thing, and he's <laughs> trying to intimidate me. I can see that. There is something that called Archibald. Buddyrophobia, and it is the fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. So peanut butter has a fear that comes with it that would strike the enemy down. Also, the world's largest peanut butter and jelly sandwich, made in Grand Saline, Texas, weighed over a thousand pounds. So I have an, I have a thousand pound sandwich to make you go down. Wow. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, Kevin, what's your opening remarks? Why do you think a grilled cheese sandwich? would beat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. When was the last time peanut butter and jelly burned your mouth? Never. Have you ever had molten hot cheese from a grilled cheese sandwich on the roof of your mouth? It's excruciating. If it was, you it would have You have already shirt. had your time and you lost. <laughs> Wait, is that your opening statement? <laughs> grilled cheese will win every time. It will beat any peanut butter and jelly, chunky or smooth, it will win. Every single time. Wow. I need not right. facts. Okay. Well, so, peanut, on, on Marky's side, peanut butter has a fear named after it, and yeah. apparently her peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a thousand pounds. <laughs> Kevin, <Yeah. laughs> Ke on Kevin's side, though, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich has never burnt you, nor can... What, wait, what, what was your other statement? Oh, it'll just win all day long. All day long. That was just a That's it. personal preference. All right. All right. Well, Marky, what do you have to say about Kevin's That he argument? lost. Because That's... he doesn't even have a fear named after it. You're not, no one's even afraid of cheese. Because they don't need to name something that's obvious. If it burns your mouth, it hurts. People don't like that. Okay. All right. So, so and by the way, a thousand pounds of anything will kill you. <laughs> of course, a thousand pound sandwich you. would win. Wow. It would kill. Yes, okay. it would kill the grilled cheese. So is your grilled cheese sandwich so a thousand just, pounds? Uh, but my a thousand pound grilled cheese apparently wouldn't. There's so, no a thousand pound grilled cheese. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, Kevin, is is that your final statement? Uh, no. Um, my final statement is Marky stinks. Okay. Wow. Now we're just getting now we're just getting into like name throwing. 
All right, I want you guys to put in the comments who won this battle. Is it was it Marky or, or was it Kevin? No, who would win in a fight, a peanut butter jelly sandwich or a grilled cheese? I think I know who I would pick, just because it started getting into like interesting territory right there at the end. <laughs> Priscilla put Team Marky, so that's one point for Marky. All right, here we go. Bear put PB and J. That's two points for Marky. Thank you. Oh. Three. Wait, who oh. also said PB&J? Passion Nicole. Nicole said PB&J, so that's three for Marky. I'm sorry, Kevin. Three, oh, Debbie four. Meyer says Marky's. That's four for Marky. I think clearly you guys have never ate a hot grilled cheese sandwich before. Clearly they haven't. All right. Well, that ends our first battle, but we got another battle. You have a chance to redeem yourself, Kevin. All right. What's our next battle of the day? All right. We got pirates versus ninjas. All right. Marky's going to be fighting for the pirate side, uh, and Kevin's going to be fighting for the ninja side. Wait, wait, wait. We got one point for grilled cheese. Well done, Kevin. Thank you, Miss Ashley. You got one point. Praise but God. But just one point. Still, Marky wins. Our yeah, first but Miss Ashley counts for like 30. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, yeah you I didn't have know. pastoral support. I win. Oh, that's true. That, she does have the seniority in that aspect. All right. Oh well, we're not <laughs> fighting over who won. Right now, we're fighting between pirates and ninjas. Oh, so, sorry. Kevin, since she won first last time, I'll let you have the opening remarks for who would win in a fight between ninjas or pirates. Absolutely. So, uh, ninjas, first of all, are ancient. And I'm assuming we're talking about pirates who are from a certain period of time. Um, so, ninjas still exist. Pirates don't. So, ninjas already won. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. Pirates, like, are we talking about, like, patch pirates and... Arr. So you just based your entire... No, never mind. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, time out. Pirates we just are... reached our 100th Ooh. comment of the day. Our 100th commenter was Billy Joe. Oh, well Billy. done, Billy Joe. That's you win sister. a gift card on us. Hi, uh, So congratulations. All right. Now, moving on. So... Wait, pa Pastor said grilled cheese. Anyway. All right. So... And I'll... I'll I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna Participate in this in this debate. <laughs> All right, what do you have to say about who would win a fight between pirates and ninjas? You base your whole thing that I'm pirates sorry, are we don't rebutting already? Exist, are we rebutting? That pirates don't uh, exist apparently. anymore. Pirates do still exist. There was a movie that came out about it a few years ago. Also, and if you want to go, go back to the older pirates. They had cannonballs, and they would crush all your little ninjas with the cannonballs. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Breaking news, pirates do still exist. Now, Kevin, you have yeah. 30 seconds to rebuttal. What do you have to say about that? Pirates still exist because they had a movie about them just a little while ago. Johnny Depp played a pirate, so therefore they still exist? What is that? Not Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. It's another movie, and they oh, had guns. Oh, wow. she's getting into And they it. had guns. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't have a whole lot to say I about that. I but I can tell you that Tom ninjas Hanks are sneaky and they're not drunk all the time. And they're not chasing wild women. And they will they will destroy pirates. All right. Ninjas are awesome. So, Just ask Luke. Hey, that's true. All right, so what do you have to say? One word. Sully. Okay, what a rebuttal. It exists. Wasn't he the guy that was the... Pilot of the airplane that went into the water. Is that not it? Someone just give me back. Yeah, that's not it. Hey, okay. I like how you based your entire argument on one false word. That's why you don't phone a friend. Wait, no, I still, I still want to. You said pirates don't exist. All right, all right. Well, your rebuttal is over. 
your rebuttal season is over. All right, guys, put in the comments, who would win in a fight between pirates or ninjas? <laughs> Barrett put pirates. All right, I'm actually going to go with the ninjas on this one. So, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if I have a pirates, vote since I'm the host pirates. of this show. But we got two for pirates, one for ninjas. Ooh, Cindy said ninjas. And you don't go think mom. she's doing that because you're, she's your mom, right? No, no. <laughs> okay. All right, we got another one for ninja. Deb says ninjas. So right now, Kevin is in the lead. Uh, I have Whoa. to give it to ninjas because they are super stealthy. Prilla that, was true. stealthy. See, now, I would just like to say I'm... The reason I'm choosing Ninja is not because of your no, argument, yeah. but right. because I just personally believe Ninjas would win. Um, anyway, Marky's argument was, was better and stronger, says Barrett. Wait, no. Pirates because I don't like turtles. Okay, Billy Joe. I don't understand Ninja that. Turtle. Oh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> wow, it took me way too long to figure that one out. I didn't even get it. <laughs> I didn't get that one at all. All right, well, right here it's four to three. That one goes to Kevin. All right, well done. Kevin, all right, well, you both won one. Let's just take, like, a couple seconds and do one more. How's that Absolutely. sound? Absolutely. Uh, Tiebreaker right here. What's the, what's the last one? Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone? Who would win in a fight? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. I'm going to let you go first, Marky. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's son-in-law is Chris Pratt, and Chris Pratt oh, apparently really? loves Jesus. So Jesus is in his family, and the favor of Jesus is on him. And Jesus wins everything, and you lose. Wow. This is, I'm realizing that this is going to be a very violent um, segment. All right, Kevin, what's your opening remark? Explain My how Jesus loses. My opening remark Not simply opening says, rebuttal, Explain but opening how Jesus remark. loses. My opening remark simply is this. Rocky Balboa was written by Sylvester Stallone. Mm -hmm. He actually is a boxer. Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone actually fought. Mm -hmm. All Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever done is posed mm -hmm. in front of a camera and flexed <laughs> his muscles. Mm -hmm. That's all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone is actually a fighter. Mm -hmm. So therefore, in a fight, I believe that the fighter would actually win in the fight. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. What's and by the way, Sylvester Stallone is a devout Christian. He doesn't need to use his son-in-law. Mm. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I am. All right. Just looked it up a second <laughs> his ago. His son-in-law. Wikipedia. Check it out. All right. He was What's on Pat Robertson. He declared it in front of everybody. Check wow. it out. Okay. What's your rebuttal? Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is bigger, so. <laughs> is that, is, is yeah. that it? Not, not saying, like, is that it? Oh, wow. That's Look all that. you got? She's, she's literally <laughs> looking for some time. All right. Kevin, what's, what's your final rebuttal? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Put in the comments. Who would win in a fight? Would it be, I almost said Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is it Rocky Balboa or Turbo Man? Is it... The Terminator, or is it Rambo? Who would win in a fight? I see Team Marky, but Sylvester. I don't know what the heck that means. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm assuming she's putting a point towards, towards, uh, Sylvet or towards Marky. Uh, I saw Joni said <laughs> Sylvester. I see Sylvester. I see... Uh, 
Billy. Marky, you're huge. I don't know if that's a point towards Marky. I'll put it towards Marky. The next one that comes up in the comments wins. All right, Rocky, Rambo. All right. That that Yo, one goes Adrian. to Kevin. Well done, Kevin. You win today's. But you win today's. Uh, oh, I see Arnold. Arnold. So so three to four. But I'm going to give this one to Kevin. Well done, Kevin. Thank you. There another one for Sylvester. So Kevin wins overall two to one. Mm -hmm. But don't mm -hmm. worry, we'll be back for the next time. Oh, I'll, I'll be, be back. back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next that time. That was awesome. Uh, I didn't even pick that up. I She's won. Out of that, I won. Actually, right there. actually, Sylvester Pastor Nicole, just won. Pastor Nicole said earlier, did you just say Sylvester just won? No, uh, Arnold. <laughs> yes, Arnold. Yes, Sylvester won. won. Pastor Nicole did say earlier that that Arnold will win because he always comes back. Anyway, yeah. so next time, next, join us next week when we have our next segment of whatever. The, this one was called, Who Would Win in a Fight? <laughs> I, I don't know why I always forget names. All right, but now we're going to be transitioning to our next segment, a time of Q&A with Pastor Brian. This is going to be awesome and powerful. So, so we're handing it on over to Pastor Brian. We'll see you guys soon. See you guys. Muted. Hey, it's me again. <laughs> You're amazing. You're like translating yourself from one set to the next. It's like Batman. Just like that. Just, I, I feel like you Batman. You just, you just like run away real quick. <laughs> no one sees it. Or, you know, we can be more spiritual and translate. Yeah, translate. But welcome to Q&A. This, yes. this, uh, this is a powerful segment where we want to answer your questions. Powerful. So if you, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, life in general, how do I respond to certain, what, what, whatever questions you might have, uh, we want to encourage you. We've had you. some great questions. We've had really good questions. Yeah. So this send, is another good one. Yeah, so send us your questions. Uh, go to whatsright.com and you can send us your questions there or you can send us a message uh, you can send us a message um, on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Just, just send us your questions, and, and we, we want to answer your questions. We want to hear your heart. We want to know where you're at, and we want to answer your questions. But today yeah. we have a really good question. Amen. Uh, yeah, today's question is, does God choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> see, when, when you do, a, when you do a, a little jingle thing, I can't be upset about it. Because you're pastor. But, uh, I, I saw you talking about Barrett's jingles. You turn everything that I do into a jingle. <laughs> well, that, makes me sound, that makes it sound like I'm complaining. It, it, it sort of sounded like it. Everything you do, you turn into a jingle. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> but that's not how you said it. I'm just adding a little bit. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's how it was interpreted. Yeah. But um, I did like, you know, I like the uh, battle that we just had. That was so, kind of cool. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Well, no, or just, just the, the whole segment. The whole yeah. segment. So it was pretty cool. Okay. Maybe that. we should turn Q&A into that. Just <laughs> opposing viewpoints. And <laughs> no, just... that'd probably be bad. <laughs> no, that's just confusing. Yeah. <laughs> that'd There's... just be confusing. I Actually, when we answer the questions, a lot of times I like trying to show both sides of it so mm -hmm. that people will know uh, what's, you know, what people may say. And it's good. You know, We were talking about that earlier. Is, mm -hmm. You know. Matter of fact, I said, you know, some of those scriptures that we're looking at are from the Old Testament. Let's make sure that there's some from the New Testament. Yeah. That way, in case somebody, uh, because some, some people have a 
perspective of, well, if it's not in the New Testament, I'm not following. Okay, well, we'll give you New Testament scriptures yeah. as well. So uh, looking at this, uh, does God choose who goes to heaven and hell? And uh, the first thing we want to do is look at Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 28 and 29, because this is really where it kind of comes from. Yeah. And uh, so do you want to read that? Yeah, um, Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And verse 30. Do you have verse 30? And, and these whom he predestined, he also called. Mm. And the, these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So one of the things that I think, you know, one of, one of the things that people will start to ask is like, okay, he predestined us, then why should I do anything different? It's already yeah. set, yeah. right? But is it really set? Um, one of the things that we see is all throughout the Bible, uh, we were talking about this earlier, basically every bit of Jesus' teachings were giving you choices. You yeah. know, here's how to live life. And if you live it this way, you'll be blessed. If you, and the whole of the New Testament, really the whole of both covenants, the Old yeah. and the New Covenant, the Old and New Testament, are, it's a book of choices. Mm -hmm. And why would he give us choices if it was all set? Yeah. You know, the whole thing is if you do this, even in, you know, one of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians 9, mm -hmm. uh, talking about sowing and reaping. And he, and he says, as you purpose in your heart. And then he says, you have a harvest. Your harvest can be increased. Mm -hmm. So many times uh, there's a harvest that can be increased based off of those choices. Yeah. And just by the full counts of the word, we see that we have choices. Mm -hmm. But when you ask this question about predestination and does God send people to hell or heaven you know mm -hmm. it, what's he what's his role in this mm -hmm. you start opening up all kinds of stuff like you yeah. know when babies die where do they go mm -hmm. and then you also uh, roll into this like the sovereignty of God mm -hmm. you know does everything that God wants to happen happen is he sovereign does his will always come to pass yeah. and uh, so you open up a lot of those kinds of things and yeah. We just had some scriptures for you to look at. Mm -hmm. So he says predestined. I want you to notice this too in verse 29. It says, look at what it says that he predestined here. Uh, because he says, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to uh, become conformed to the image of his son. So this is not only who will be born again, but this is also who will be conformed to the image of his son. Mm -hmm. So it's who's going to look and act like Christ, right? Mm -hmm. he, he has seen that. And I think one of the things that really confuses people is we live in the construct of time. Mm -hmm. And we've always known time. But God lives outside of the bounds of time. Yeah. Uh, he was, He is, and He is to come. Mm -hmm. uh, God's not looking at things through time, through the filter of time like we, we do. Yeah. And uh, we, we have a hard time even having grabbing the concept mm -hmm. without time. Time is something that uh, helps us to understand what's going on. We understand things through time. Yeah. But if you actually were outside of time and you saw the, the beginning, the mm -hmm. now, and the future all mm -hmm. at one time, you would know. 
who was going to choose you and who wasn't. And yeah. you would be able to say, yes, I saw this from before the foundation of the world, which mm -hmm. is what Scripture says, yeah. and I choose them. Those that would choose me, I also choose them in that yeah. way. And, and that's a, a really good way to look at it and kind of mm -hmm. a general overview of yeah. that. In other words, he predestines the ones that would choose him. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and look at some of these Scriptures that we had. Yeah, um, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow about uh, His promise, as some count slow, slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So we know from this scripture that the will of God is that nobody would perish, that yeah. nobody would go to hell. Mm -hmm. Yet we know from other scripture that is inspired by the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, inspired by God himself, mm -hmm. people will go to hell. Yeah. You know, we know that mm -hmm. people have already gone to hell just based off of yeah. like even the, the story of the rich man and the bez, uh, beggar Lazarus. We already know this. Yeah. And so you see that although God doesn't want anybody to perish and go to hell, people are and will mm -hmm. contrary to the will of God. So does the fullness of God's will happen? Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. And, and why would it not be that way? Why couldn't God just say, all right, I'm going to force my will to happen? Well, that would turn us all into robots and that would, that would basically take us out of our creation. We were created in the image and likeness of God. That means to make loving choices. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have the ability to make a choice, if it's forced on us, it literally contradicts uh, how we're made. And yeah. that's not how he made us. He made mm -hmm. us to make choices. And, yeah. and so you see this, watch this, even in the Old Testament, Joshua 24, 15. Yeah, if it is disagreeable in your sight... To Joshua talking to yeah, the yeah. people of Israel. Yeah, he says, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, uh, which were betrayed, be, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, so Joshua's making a choice. Yeah. He's saying, Lord, I choose you. Mm -hmm. And this is how we're designed. We're yeah. designed to make loving choices. Yeah. And so let's also go to Deuteronomy 30, 19. You can put this in the comments. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Again, what do we have? We have a choice. God mm -hmm. set before us a choice. Yeah. And then he knows who's going to make that choice and who doesn't. Now, yeah. both of those are Old Testament. Mm -hmm. This is what we were talking about. Let's also look at the New Testament. So Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if listen to this word right here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If. If. Like all caps. Put, please put that in the comments. All caps. If. It's, it's big word. I-F. If. If. Oh, man. But it's a big word in this. In other words, Jesus is standing there, but not everybody's going to choose it. And he wouldn't even make this statement if it wasn't within their power to make a choice. Yeah. If. If anyone hears my voice. If anyone hears my voice and opens yes. the door, I will come in 
to him and will dine with him and he with me. Yes. And so now look uh, at Romans 10 and verse 9, so a major scripture about being born again mm -hmm. and choosing the life of God to be in the family of God, choosing salvation, mm -hmm. Romans 10, 9. That if, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the if is there, spoken mm. by the Holy Ghost, yeah. signifying that there is a choice. Mm. And so the way to look at it for us is, does God know who's going to choose him and who's not? Does God know what we're going to do? Yes, he knows mm. all of that. And he says, I, as you have chosen me, I choose you. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're a chosen people. That means God says, I accept you. I receive you. I accept you. I'm, I predestined you. I want you to be conformed. You know, ditching this corrupted body and uh, you're going to put on this new glorious body. Mm -hmm. I want you to be conformed to my image. I have chosen you. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you chose me. I laid before you a choice and you yeah. chose me and I accept you and I choose you also. And he chose us actually beforehand because he could see it. So how do we apply this? The thing is, we have before us a set of choices in our construct of time. Yeah. God already knows what we're going to do, and he'll empower us to make the right choice. So, but we have to live as if God didn't even know it, but we don't know what's going to happen, but we have to constantly make those right choices. Our choices determine the harvest of our life, and literally the de it determines the harvest of our eternity. Yeah. Do we want to have a godly harvest in our eternity? Yes, then what we must do is we must walk in uh, the right choices, and that's what he's laid before. So does God choose who goes to heaven and hell? No, he doesn't, but he does know who's going to, and the one ones that decide you, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. He says, I see you. And from the foundation of the world, I choose you. That's good. Amen. Amen. That, that answer question, you think we're done for that one today? I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> if you have questions, send them in to us. We yeah, want to answer good. them and uh, we want to answer them from the standard of the word. And also, I'm looking forward to what's the word today. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. So. I'm excited. All right. Well, now we're transitioning into a time of confession before we get into the word. So I'm going to transition you guys over to Barrett and she's going to give us our next confession of the day. Hey guys, as you know, if you are longtime viewers, but if you're not, we like to do a daily confession so that the word of God is not just coming in your ears, but it's coming out of our mouths because we are created in the image and in the likeness of God and God creates by speaking. So we create the same way. So today we are going to do our daily confession and we are on confession number five. Join your voice with mine and together let's just declare the word of God. Confession number five is we walk in the fullness of faith, hope and love. We win souls. We love righteousness, hate sin, walk in holiness and are anointed by God. Glory to God. Let's say that one more time. We walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. We win souls. We love righteousness, hate sin, 
walk in holiness and are anointed by God. Hallelujah. That is who you are. And you know, before we hop over into what's the word this morning in my time of reading and just being with the Lord, the Lord just really had something stick out to me this morning. And it's found in Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to pray about this because I don't want this to be your story or mine. It says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 5, talking about the, um, the 10 virgins and the lampstands. It says, now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout saying, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. You know, we may have been asleep. We've been talking about it here at the church. We may have in the past been sleeping. We may as a church have fallen asleep, but no more. There's a shout that's coming out of the body of Christ. There's a shout that's coming saying, wake up. And in the name of Jesus, I would just love to pray for all of us today. In Jesus name, let the church wake up today. In what's the word as it comes forth, let it wake us up to the things of God. Let the church wake up today. Let a shout come out of our voices that says, wake up, let the body wake up, let the sleeping giant wake up in Jesus name. And Father, I ask right now that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, I ask that they wake up. If they've been slumbering, wake them up right now, God. Let us see with eyes that perceive what we're seeing. Let us hear with ears that understand the words that we're hearing. Wake us up. Let us not sleep on you. Let us wake up and be a part of what you are doing in these last moments. God, we praise you. And I ask, Lord, that every heart that's watching today be fertile soil for the seed of the word that is going to be planted. And may it produce life and life in abundance in every home, in every family, and in every child, parent. In Jesus' name, let life spring forth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. Pastor Ryan texted me just a couple or a little bit before the broadcast started saying what the topic was today. And we are talking about controlling your kids, how to live a peaceful life, but it's not what you think. So if you haven't done it yet, go ahead and share the broadcast right now. We're going to give you a couple seconds to do that before we dive in. We're back live with Pastor Brian. So go ahead and share and we're going to dig into the word. Hey guys, what's going on? It's so good to see you. Welcome to What's the Word? If you haven't shared the broadcast yet, please go ahead and share it. We love you and I'm excited about this. Uh, this title, listen, it Today we're talking about controlling the kids, how to have a peaceful life. And then in parentheses, it's not what you think. <laughs> and that's actually a play on words too, but you don't know it yet. <laughs> it's not what you think. Uh, so anyway, but I know that probably some parents would be like controlling the kids. I got to hear this one. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, it's interesting. Another subtitle uh, that you could... Uh, call it today is this, is a tale of two Phineases, and not Phineas and Ferb, but a tale of two Phineases. And uh, let's go right now into 1 Samuel chapter 1, 
and verse 3. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 3. And I don't know if you know, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, names from the Bible that you'll find in different, different stories. Like you have Phineas and Ferb that uh, my kids love. I love it too. I think it's a great show. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, with my kids, actually, Nicole and I got to <laughs> we got to the point where we're like, let's watch another episode of Phineas and Ferb. And uh, but then, so you see Phineas, but Phineas is actually a name from the Bible. And then you also see, uh, like in Star Wars, they had the moon of Endor. There was a witch of Endor in the Bible. Uh, you have a lot of words that come from that, but a lot of people don't know that Phineas was actually from there. But actually, there's two Phineases. Uh, that stick out in the Bible. One is in Numbers and one is uh, here in 1 Samuel through the first four chapters. Phineas and Hophni were the sons of Eli the priest. Phineas and Hophni were the sons of Eli the priest. And what's interesting is, I always like it when the Lord does this, but remember when we started the Lunch Plus, it wasn't called Lunch Plus at the beginning, uh, but when we started Lunch Plus, uh, we wanted, the whole purpose behind it was during the lockdown, during this uh, really strange time, uh, we wanted to give a daily word that would be a blessing and be life-giving blessing of God uh, every day. And so we wanted to make sure that there was fresh daily bread from heaven that the Lord had given us. Well, many times throughout this period of time since we've started Lunch Plus, there's actually been days where I would wake up with a word in my spirit straight from the Lord, and, and it's been beautiful. Well, today is another one of those. As I woke up this morning. Uh, you know, I took a, took a couple of days off and just rested and relaxed. It was awesome. Thank you, everybody, for handling it. And, uh, but as I woke up this morning, what was in my spirit was the word Phineas. And I knew the story that I'm going to share with you. Uh, but instantly I went, Lord, what do you want to say about that? And as I put it together and I kept praying on it in the Holy Ghost, I, I saw exactly what he wanted uh, me to talk about. So let me tell you the story about Phineas at first. Uh, so in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 3, the setup is you have the high priest Eli and he has two sons, Phineas and Hophni. Now, this is the beginning of the introduction to the prophet Samuel, who would be the highest uh, priest of the land, so to speak. Uh, Samuel that anoints King Saul, then anoints King David. Sam Samuel, a mighty, mighty prophet and man of God. And, uh, but Samuel actually comes about as his mother said, Lord, I really want a child, and she couldn't have any children. And so she offers her son. She says, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I will give him to you. Well, uh, before he's even conceived, he is given to the Lord. He's dedicated to the Lord by Hannah. And so she has a child, and then uh, she brings the child to the temple, and here he is raised with Eli. And even at a young, uh, with the high priest Eli, even at a young age, uh, Samuel starts hearing from the Lord, and he starts uh, experiencing God and becoming the person that he would become. But in the backstory of that, you have the high priest Eli. Now, Eli represents a priest that was, you know, definitely a called priest of God, but he had some character issues. And one of those major character issues, major character issues was 
he could not correct his children. He didn't control his kids and discipline them. And this was a major problem, uh, because, and you'll see how it ends up. It is not pretty. Uh, and it all comes back to, he, and the Lord says it like this, you honor your kids above me. You honor your kids above me. Now, I promise you, this is not going to go the direction that you think it's going to go. <laughs> but it's good for us to learn this as well, because you have a lot of kids that are actually running the spiritual house of their family. I hear it all the time. People that say, well, my kids like this church or that church. And I, and I think to myself, and sometimes I'll say it, at what point in the Bible did the Lord say that your children are supposed to make the spiritual decisions of your home? You know, we're, we're planted by the Lord as he desires, not where our kids are. Well, this, this operates in many times people want to be their children's best friend. That's one of the most dangerous things that you can do because your children don't need a best friend. They need a parent. They need somebody who will teach them the ways of the Lord. And if we'll teach them the ways of the Lord, they won't depart from it. And when they get older, there's a promise of God. And teaching them the ways of the Lord is not just uh, saying, I want to be your best friend in everything. See, if, if the Lord wanted to be our best friend in everything, he'd never discipline us. He would want to stay in that place. We need to discipline and we need to discipline our children. Now, I want you to remember that statement because I'm going to come back to it because it's going to represent something different. We need to discipline our children. Okay, now look at this in verse, uh, verse 3 of chapter 1. In the second part of it, it says this, And the two sons of Eli, the high priest, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord there. So what we see is that Hophni and Phinehas were also priests of the Lord under the high priest Phineas. Now, the thing is, they were set in there by their, uh, by their father, but they were not good. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. Watch this, what the Holy Ghost says. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priest with the people. And then it goes on to tell what they did. The sons of Eli were worthless men. Now, I'm just going to tell you one of the things that they did. Uh, the Lord had commanded that offerings be brought to the temple. And what the sons of Eli were basically doing was they were forcing on people to give them personally the offerings instead of going about it the right way. And what they were doing was they were dishonoring the seed of the offering that people were bringing. And God was not happy with this. Uh, God did not like this at all. They were breaking the commandments of God and taking wrongly from the offering. Now skip down to verse 17. Verse 17, you can read that between the 12 and 17. You can see what uh, they did. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. The men despised the offering of the Lord. Now hear that. They despised. They, and uh, you'll see this a little bit later. They lightly esteemed the offering. They did not esteem it where it goes. I can tell you here at the church at Boomerang, when somebody gives an offering, we hold that in the highest esteem. 
We don't play around with it. This is one of the passages where we pull that from. Look, this uh, offering, a tithe, an offering, it is holy before God. And so even when you give on the Lunch Plus broadcast, when you, you know, give and uh, hashtag donate or givebc.org, that's still, just because we have a lighthearted Lunch Plus doesn't make that offering any less uh, precious in the eyes of the Lord. We treat that thing with esteem. We pray over those on a regular basis. Lord, bless that precious seed. Lord, and we're believing God to give a supernatural increase in this. And so, but they weren't doing that. The sons weren't doing that. And I'll tell you, many ministers have messed up because they've handed ministry over to their children that were not worthy of the ministry. The, the parents, the parents spent time hungering, fasting, going after the Lord, putting things in perspective. The parents did that, but their children didn't do that. And just because they, you know, they're their kids does not mean that you should just hand it over in that way. That's not the way that it should operate. Every person, you know, it's not a kingdom in the sense of I'm going to hand it to a prince. I'm a king and I'm going to hand ministry to a prince. No, you don't move into the position of a person of God, a minister, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You don't move into that without a separation by God himself. It's not an inherited by natural blood. It doesn't go that way. But many parents want their kids to be that, and they assume that, and they mess up. Uh, not too long ago, I was actually able to watch as a minister that I esteem and respect. They had handed ministry over, uh, over to their uh, child. And instead of correcting their child, their child went against something that was absolutely the will of God. They went directly against it. And instead of correcting their child, they set their child up for destruction. Because they would not correct their child. I was thinking of this story, how, how it uh, went back on that. Now watch. He says this, so they were breaking the commandments and they were uh, taking wrongly from the offering. Verse 17, I'll read it again. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering to the Lord. Now let's go down to verse 22. Let's go down to verse 22. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard all his sons were doing to all Israel. Now, watch this. See, what started with the offering now is taking a whole nother turn. He said, how their sons, Phinehas and Hophni, they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. In other words, they were sleeping around with the people who were serving at the church, at the temple. So it went from despising the offering and not correcting them with that. And because of you know, keeping them in position. See, when they despise the offering, they're despising God. And he should have immediately corrected them and if necessary, removed them for, you know, for good if necessary. You know, if they show a true heart of repentance, okay, they can be reinstated after they've shown that true repentance. That's fine. But because he didn't deal with that, now he has priests who are sleeping with the ladies that are serving at the church. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
And what? Watch. All of a sudden he says, he said to them, why do you do such uh, such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear uh, the Lord, uh, Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. Now I want you to see this. So number one, their sin had caused the Lord to, to say, I can't take this anymore. I desire for them to die. Because they had not corrected themselves and because Eli had not corrected them. See, a, a covering of God is a buffer between us and the judgment and the wrath of God many times. And so when, see, even though the boys wouldn't have corrected themselves, if Eli would have stepped in and corrected them or removed them, he could have been the buffer between that wrath and judgment, but Eli didn't. This is why it's so important to be uh, connected to somebody who will correct you. Yeah. <laughs> because, see, these boys were so deceived, they didn't even see how wrong they were, and ultimately it causes their death. But had they corrected themselves, that wouldn't be necessary. But had Eli corrected them, it wouldn't have been necessary. So see, there were two steps there that had to fail. You want somebody who will correct you. You want somebody who will discipline you. You want somebody who will love you enough to rebuke you. This is very, very important. And, but I want you to see this. But even while they were messing up, God says, hey, these guys are not going to get it right. God will raise up somebody else. He says, my will has to come to pass. And if you won't choose it, going back to our question and answer earlier, if you will refuse to choose me and my ways, I will find somebody who will. And this is the same thing with David. King Saul, you won't choose me. I will find somebody whose heart is after me who will do all of my will. Okay, And so you have to understand, God's looking for somebody who will do all of his will. And he's gracious and he's merciful. But we're not just talking about your life. We're talking about the lives of people all over the world that can be affected by people who will go after him and who will control their children. Now watch, I'm not just talking about your, your kids that you're thinking about. Just hold on. Control your children. Remember, we must control our children. We must, we must discipline them is what I mean. We must, it doesn't mean that we'll make decisions for them the rest of their life, but we do make decisions for them till they turn 18. We do make decisions for them until they're an adult. They don't, I'll teach them to make the right decisions. And if they prove themselves successful and honoring of God, I'll even make them make those decisions. But I'm backing the, the decision that they make until they're 18. This is a biblical teaching. All right. Now, we must understand that it's not just us and our decisions that's being affected. When I make good decisions, it affects people all over the world these days. When I make good decisions, it affects people all over the world. When I make bad decisions, it affects people all over the world. And every one of us is called to, to have an influence like that. 
So in order to do this, we must understand that we must discipline our children and we must teach them the ways of the Lord in this way. Again, I'm going to say it again. I'm not just talking about your physical children. Hold on and you're going to see what I'm talking about. All right, now, verse 27 Verse 27, then a man of God, watch, oh my goodness, this is something else. Then a man of God came to Eli and said, can you see the mercy of God here? Watch this. This is, all right, Phineas and Hophni have messed up. They won't correct themselves. Eli's messed up. They won't correct themselves. God sends a man of God to help correct them and try, try to wake them up to make a change. Watch what happens. Then a man of God came to Eli and said, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry an ephod before me? And and did I not give to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling? And hear this. He says, in other words, Eli, by not disciplining your children, by not controlling these children in the house of God, by not controlling them, he says, you're kicking at me. You're offending me. You're assaulting me, Eli. He's not talking to the boys. He's talking straight to Eli. Eli, as a dad, as a father, your responsibility is to discipline these children. Now, I get it. I'm not talking, the whole session is not necessarily talking directly about your physical children. But this also applies to our physical children. It also applies there. So I know that that can be uh, perceived in that way. That doesn't mean, go over to the New Testament, it says, Father, don't provoke your children to wrath. I'm not talking about being wrathful with your children so much that wrath comes out of them. I'm talking about you give them the loving discipline of God. And sometimes loving discipline of God is telling them no. And sometimes the loving discipline of God is removing them from an office that they were supposed to be in, but because of their choices, they can't. <laughs> you know, my dad, I used to work for him. He fired me. <laughs> he fired me. His own son fired me. Why? Because I was doing a horrible job. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that today. It taught me something. I appreciated that. And I appreciate it now more today than ever before. He fired me. Glory to God. Did I want to be fired? No. Did he want to fire me? No. Did I deserve to be fired? Yes. Did I need to be fired? Yes. Because I was doing a bad job. I was being lazy. I was not producing. I was not being fruitful. And that taught me something. Man, dad wasn't playing around. There's some things that need to be done. You know, and he was willing to do that. I appreciate that today more than ever. You know, and even my kids, our, our kids are getting up to be, you know, 18, 15. They're moving into adulthood now as we speak. Do you think that I will not fire them or I will put them in a position that I will not remove them from also? <laughs> oh, I'll remove them. You know, and it goes for the same thing here. And I've done it before. I, I've done it before, even in the ministry. 
where somebody was out of line with the will of God. And I said, I can't allow you to continue doing this. Either change it or you've got to go. I'll do it. Why? Because we're not just talking about honoring you and your feelings. We're talking about honoring God. And these things are holy things. These are holy things. He says, look, when you don't do this, you are kicking, you are assaulting me, Eli. Person of God, you're, if you don't deal with this, you're assaulting me. Now watch this. <laughs> wow. Verse 29. Why do you kick at my sacrifice? Why are, why are you assaulting the good things I've done for you? Why are you, why are you kicking against things I've given to you, which I have commanded in my dwelling? And watch this. And honored your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choices of the every offering of my people Israel. Whoa. Hey, Eli, high priest of your house, why do you honor your children above me? That's what God said. Whoo. See, when he, watch this. And how did... How did Eli dishonor God and honor his kids above God? How did he do it? He didn't correct them. Hear this. He did not discipline his children. But say la. Verse 30. And this is the verse that we know. Now you know the setup of all this. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed or lightly, uh, lightly honored. So you can see that when we choose to have a lack of honor, we are despising God. Now, how many people would say, I want to despise God? Not very, not very many people. But when we, lack, when we lack honor towards God, we're despising God. When we do not discipline our lives and the lives of our children or the lives of people that we're called to lead, we are despising God. Now, who many, how many people, who many people, <laughs> how many people want to despise God? You know, very few, atheists maybe, um, but of Christians, nobody wants to despise God. Then you've got to live a life of discipline. Remember, he disciplines those that he loves. It's, discipline is an action of love. Now watch this. Would you like to have a household of peace? I would. He says this, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And we've used this verse so many times in a very positive sense. And we've just talked about the second half of the verse. But now you know the setup. It was very much a negative setup that God was making these. And he was giving us a promise of honor. And I've said it so many times. See, when we will discipline our lives and we will discipline uh, those that God has given to our charge, uh, then we honor God. And you have to understand, it's not a fair trade. If I give every bit, 100% of my honor to God, and God gives me just a, a thimbleful of his honor, it's not a fair trade. He, a thimbleful of his honor will blow me away. <laughs> and my, my honor will look like nothing compared to his honor. It's not a fair trade back and forth. It's, in other words, it's a great investment. Our honor, honor of God is the best investment that we can make. Put that in the comments. When we honor God, it's the best investment that we can make. 
When we honor God, it's the best investment that we can make. Watch this, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for Israel. And an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar so that your eyes will fail from weeping and your soul grieve. And all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. This will be the sign of which will come concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. On the same day, both of them will die. On the same day, both of them will die. Which is better, putting up with some dishonoring children that give you a hard time because you kick them out of the ministry and you discipline them or watching them die on the same day? Which one's better? It goes on. The story goes on. The Philistines attack Israel. Phineas and Hophni are out there with the ark of God. The ark is captured. Both the boys die. That was on the same day at a young age, both boys, Phineas and Hophni, because they continued to despise the Lord and assault God with their actions. And Eli did not correct them. He did not stand in the gap for his son. How, did, how could he have stood in the gap? By disciplining his children. He did not stand in the gap. And guess what happens? They both die on the same day. They both die on the same day. And then... All of a sudden, news of this, watch this, news of this comes in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Trying to find the exact, yeah, verse 18, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 18. Both of his sons, Phineas and Hophni, die on the same day. They, there comes a man from the battle. He comes and he tells Eli. And then verse 18. When he mentioned the ark of God, he talks about, or verse 17. Then the one who brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons also, Hophni and Phineas, are dead. And the ark of God has been taken. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backwards beside the gate and his neck was broken and he died and he was old and heavy. Then he, thus he judged Israel for 40 years. They didn't discipline their children, didn't control those uh, things and bring them into the plan of God. Both his children died that day and he himself fell over and died as well. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Romans chapter 8. Yay, don't you feel so excited? Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and 
Say it with me. Peace. Life and peace. How you can have peace in your home. How you can have peace. How to have a peaceful life. Controlling your kids. How to have a peaceful life. Let me read this, verse 6 again. So this, we'll read uh, Romans 8, verse 5 through 9. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. A peaceful life. A peaceful life. Life that's full of the life of God. Verse 7, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It does not discipline itself to the law of God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. Please God. Verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So in other words, if you're born again, you're not in the flesh and you have control. You have a choice to make and God will back your choice. But if anyone, he says, but however, you're not in the flesh. If you're in, if you're born again, if you're in Jesus, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He does not belong to him. So what you see here is how, you know, controlling our, our children, how to have a, a life full and full of peace. We must discipline our thought life and our mind. We must discipline our thought life and our mind. See, this now is the temple of God. And this is what this is all about. This body is the temple of God. And many times this corrupted flesh will produce a rebellious children of wrong thinking, thoughts, Emotions. See, the mindset on the flesh is the one who's following uh, their own corrupted thoughts, fleshly thoughts, fleshly emotions, fleshly thinkings. And when that fleshly thinking starts to be allowed to stay in the temple without discipline, it will disrupt and bring death to that person. Just like the story of Phineas and Hophni. But you are the high priest of this body and you are under a responsibility to not assault the things of God, but take those thoughts captive. If we go over to Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read it in the New Living. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. 20 through 22. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. You will, your life will be clean. And you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Hear this. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Yeah, buddy put it in the comments. He said, if 
if choices. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. How do we have peace? We control our thoughts. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts, with pure hearts. See, many times what we do is we allow this thinking just to run rampant in our lives. We allow thoughts, emotions. We allow all of this ungodly, youthful lust. See, a lot of times we look at lust and we just think of sexual stuff. It's not just that. It's the youthful, lusting thought that says, God won't come through this time. I got a fear. That's a youthful lust. That's a, a child that's in the temple, that's kicking against the things of God. And in uh, Corinthians, let's go, let's go over there. Uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5. Oops. 2 Corinthians 5. Is that right? Or 10. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, excuse me. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or strongholds. We are destroying, hear this, I, I love this wording. We are destroying speculations. There are speculations that are raised up against the things of God. Speculations in every lofty thing or high thing raised up against what? What's it raised up against? The knowledge of God. They talked yesterday about knowing God and being in intimacy with God. See, once you start to realize that there is no fear in love, you'll recognize that anything that causes you to fear is a high thing raised up against knowledge of God. But if we're not in intimacy with God and we don't know Him, we won't recognize that. It'll, it'll promote itself. It'll try to claim the throne of our heart over Jesus. And all of a sudden, when it tries to claim our heart uh, on the throne over Jesus, it's a lofty thing raised up against God, raised up against the true knowledge of Him and true knowledge knowledge of him will set you free. So the more we know him, the more we know, hey, fear doesn't belong here. It doesn't belong in my heart. It doesn't belong in my mind. It says, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why can I not fear during COVID-19? Because I know I have a savior that by his stripes, I have been made whole. I have been healed. I've already received it by his sacrifice, by him taking those stripes, shedding that blood. I don't have to fear. There's no fear in love and God is love. I can take that unruly child, that unruly thought. I can take it into captivity and I can cast it down. We are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So whenever I give myself in obedience to know God, I will know that there's nothing that I have to fear. There's no emotion. There's no, well, I don't know how this is going to go. And these are the, these thoughts. These ungodly thoughts are the unruly children of this New Testament temple. And if you don't control those unruly children of ungodly thought, 
it will bring a destruction into your life. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whom can he devour? Who can he devour? The person who doesn't discipline the unruly children of thought in their life. I told you it's going a different direction. And remember, in parentheses, it's not what you think. <laughs> it's what you need to be thinking. See, our lives are not to be what the world makes us think. It's to be what God tells us to think. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. What are these youthful lusts? What are these unruly children of our thoughts that need to be disciplined? What are these things? It's fears. It's emotions. Not too long ago, and you know, I heard of, heard of somebody who was doing a great, great job. And the devil throws something at them like, you're worthless. You're nothing. And, and if you listen to the unruly children of thought, you will fulfill that prophetic voice, but it's an ungodly prophetic voice that you're worth nothing. Listen, God sets the value of your life and he's already predetermined the value because he said you are worth the life of my son. The buyer sets the value. You are valuable in the eyes of God. Let nobody or no thought tell you otherwise. You are valuable in, in God. And if you are that valuable in God, how will he not with Jesus give you all things? Romans eight thirty two. How will he not give you all things? See, these are the thoughts that need to be controlling the temple. The things about the great promises of God and every promise is yes and amen. We don't need to allow the thoughts that are bringing death and destruction. Going back to Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope, not for calamity, but for you to fare well or for welfare and a future and a hope, not for calamity. God put it in the comments. I want it to keep on going. God has no plans for my calamity. <laughs> God has no plans for my calamity. God has no plans for my calamity. What does he have plans for? To give you a future and a hope for you and your life to fare well, well, and that's not well according to our thinking. That's well according to God's thinking. See, when, and when we take on, well, I'm, I might get COVID in this thing. We're, we're taking on an unruly uh, child thinking that needs to be disciplined. No, I won't catch that. I, no evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. Every weapon formed against me shall not prosper. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And it will be destroyed in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, you take these thoughts captive and then you put the thoughts of God on your lips. You put the thoughts of God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Philippians chapter 4. What are these lustful thoughts that we must flee? These unruly children of ungodly thoughts that are set against the knowledge of God. Anything that comes in, I'm not worthy. I might get sick. I am sick. No, you can, even if you have been sick, you can call on the thought of God that says by his stripes you were healed. And I believe it and I have received it now. And the thing that is temporal 
can take it, uh, take some notes from the thing that's permanent, the love of God. See, everything that you see is temporal. Everything that you can see, the Bible teaches us, is temporal. It's subject to change. And if I will apply the promises and the knowledge of God to that temporal thing, that thing must change. Anything that's contrary to the promises of God. And, and what does God say about his promises? It says his promises in him. All of his promises are yes and amen. Yes and so be it. Yes, that's God's heart for you. That's his plans for you. Yes, and so be it. Every good promise of God. You're his child. He loves you with an everlasting love. Otherwise, he never would have sent Jesus. And so what do we end up at? Look at, look at Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, put on joy again. Put on joy. When? Always. Whether you feel like it or not. Well, I don't know how this is going to work out. This looks bad. Lord, I rejoice. <laughs> I rejoice. I put on joy because I know who you are. I know what knowledge of you brings. Lord, I rejoice. Yeah. I rejoice. And again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. You know, a lot of times when we're thinking on unruly childlike thoughts, unruly childlike thoughts in this New Testament temple, it doesn't cause us to be gentle. We actually, when we're thinking the wrong thoughts, we become harsh. Many times when we've lashed out at people, the reason is because in our thinking, we've been thinking about the wrong things. We've not been thinking on the things of God worthy of praise. We've been thinking on the corrupt, corrupted, uh, we've been thinking on the corrupted curse that could happen. And so in fear of that curse manifesting, we get harsh. But he's saying right here, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. In other words, how can you be a, in a gentle spirit unless you put on the thoughts of God that you meditate and you think on how good God is. You meditate on his promises. You take that cursed thought and you cast it down. If you'll take that cursed thought and you'll cast it down, you'll find the gentleness that you, oh, I feel this gentleness. Glory to God. And he says, why? Because the Lord's near. See, many times we, we're fearful because we really don't think that the Lord's near. But the Lord is near. We've got to control those those. Children of our unruly thoughts, that cursed thought, those, those, uncorrupt, in, those corrupted thinking that's contrary to the things of God. We've got to control those thoughts. And then we'll say, you know what? Jesus is near me right now. I've got nothing to fear. I have nothing to fear. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. See, anxiousness, fear, worry, that should be the red flag of a wrong thought. Anxiousness, fear, and worry should be the red flag of an ungodly thought, of a corrupted thought. Anxiousness, fear, worry. See, if you'll, you know, the Bible tells us to have a mindset. It should be set like a trap, right? So, you know, in a trap, if you'll go out in the woods and you'll create a trap, there's a trigger. And when that thing is triggered, it springs the trap. 
Our mind should be set on the things of God. And this is one of the ways to set it. If I move into anxiousness, fear, or worry, my mind set on the things of God should spring and go, hey, no, that's ungodly. Or else I wouldn't be feeling these feelings. I wouldn't be thinking these thoughts. I wouldn't be uh, operating in these emotions. Those are ungodly emotions. Anxiousness, fear, and worry should be a red flag of an ungodly thought. You've got to set that in your mind. So this is why I'll tell people, learn the emotion of fear. Learn to recognize the emotion of fear. Why? Because if you'll learn to recognize that emotion of fear, it will key you in and clue you in to many of the traps that the devil's trying to plant for your life. Just learn to recognize it. Have a mind set on that. He says, he says this, be anxious for nothing. Nothing should cause you anxiety. That's what God's saying. Nothing should cause you anxiety. Nothing should cause you fear. Nothing should cause you an emotion like this. Nothing should. Nothing. Be anxious. This is a commandment. This is not just a suggestion. This is a commandment. In other words, if I find myself constantly in anxiousness, fear, and worry, then I am disobeying that commandment. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, it may take you a little bit of time to retrain your mind. That period of time's okay, but be heading in the direction. Be moving towards towards God where you're saying, I'm, I'm working on this, I'm fixing this. You shouldn't be five years from now, ten years from now, suffering from anxiety, worry, and fear. That should no. As soon as you hear this message, you should say, "This is a commandment from God. This day, I'm making a turn, and I'm going to move to where I don't have this anymore." One of the greatest uh, testimonies that I've seen. See, a lot of times we'll give praise over a healing and a miraculous thing like that, and and that's awesome, and we absolutely should. But I'll tell you right now, one of the most miraculous things that I've seen has been like uh, with Marky. When Marky came here, she had emotions that, that were running, but she said, no, I'm going to start making changes. And I, we have watched, Nicole and I have watched how she's taken that emotion and that emotion, and she's not living by it anymore. She's choosing the promises of God instead of those things. And is she still working on it? Sure. But man, she is choosing and growing and her whole thought process is different now. It's godly. It's towards a plan like that. I love that. That's a huge testimony because that testimony changes everything in her life. Everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, when we take those thoughts captive, the peace of God will guard us. So we'll control the unruly children of ungodly thought, and it will lead to a peaceful life, a God-given peaceful life. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any excellence, if, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. In other words, he wraps it all up and says, and, I, and the Lord gave me this statement to kind of wrap it up. 
If there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Dwell here. And, and the Lord gave me this statement. If a thought doesn't cause you to raise your hands and give God glory, don't think on it. If it's not worthy of praise to God, raising your hands and worshiping him for it, you shouldn't be thinking on it. Then he says this, if you'll do these things, verse 9, these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, God will bring his peace in. In other words, he defines not just will God be with you, but peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. As we wrap up, I want to tell you one more thing. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to tell you the story, but it's in Numbers 25. In Numbers 25, a plague hits the children of Israel. I said it at the beginning, a tale of two Phineases. A plague hits the Israelites. There was another Phineas, and, and the plague hit the Israelites because the men of Israel and the people of Israel started to sleep around with the people of the world. And they were sleeping with the Moabites. And then the Moabites brought them into their ceremonies and started worshiping their God and worshiping Baal. And when that happened, it cracked open a plague. And there was a plague that hit that. Phineas, in this case, another Phineas in numbers, a zeal and passion of the holiness of God hit him. And at that very moment when they were discussing this, he watched as an Israelite man who had given himself over to the corruption of the world brought one of those women into his tent. And this Phineas jumped up. And remember, this is Old Testament. This is not a time of grace. This is a time of, hey, you've got to set these things in their place. He grabs a spear, goes into the tent, and he skewers this man and the, and the woman, kills him. Take, watch this takes care of the sin that opened up the door, that opened up the door of this curse. If, and instantly the plague was stopped. 24, listen to this because some people are like, man, that was really rude. No, no, forget about, you know, that man and woman was one or two. This plague had already killed 24,000 people. 24,000 people in the house of Israel. In the instant that he handled the sin, the plague stopped instantly. Why? Because he dealt with the unruly children of unholiness in the camp, in the house. One Phineas never disciplined himself. One Phineas handled business. And when he handled business, the blessing of the Lord came on there. Are we going to deal with our thoughts? Are we going to deal with those things the way that we should. Are we going to get serious about it and have a zeal of the Lord to take our thoughts captive? Or are we just going to keep letting them rule our life? Now see, I told you this is about, this is definitely about the children that are our thoughts. But it also applies to our own home and our, our physical children as well. We need to make sure that we discipline those things. And if we do, they will have a life of peace and we will have a life of peace. And if we take our thoughts captive, we will have a life of peace. 
And God wants you to have the most peaceful life, free of plague. But watch this. If he hadn't handled the sin, and, and listen, if we're, not, if we're handling the things of the flesh, that's sin. That's what Romans 8 said. It's sin and it's impossible to please God. The first Phineas in Numbers, he handled the sin and God put an end to the plague. The second Phineas, he didn't deal with the sin and neither did uh, the high priest, his dad. And it ended their lives. God wants you to have a full and a satisfied life, but he's put a big if in between that full and satisfied life and where we're at now. The big if is this, I've got to deal with these things. It's my responsibility. Please put this in the comments. It's my responsibility to deal with ungodly thoughts. It's my responsibility to discipline my thought life. It's our responsibility. We can't just sit by and say, well, whatever, you know, whatever happens, you know, I didn't put these thoughts in there. It doesn't matter who put them in there. It's our responsibility as believers to deal with them. And if we'll deal with them, God can come into that life and all the blessings of the Lord can take over. And that's what he wants for you. He wants you to have the most peaceful life, overflowing with the fullness of his life every single day of your life. But we've got to take those thoughts captive. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you for showing us how to deal with these things. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how to deal with our emotions and our thought lives. Lord, if we don't have, if we don't have something... Uh, if we don't have something that makes us raise our hand, if we don't have something that makes us raise our hand to God and worship you, Lord, then we're going to take it captive and we're going to get rid of it. We're going to take it captive and get rid of it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for... Lord, taking us to the place where we recognize that ungodly thought. Lord, we just ask right now, open our eyes. Help us set those red flags that will spring the trap when those emotions, those wrong earthly and fleshly emotions and thoughts come in. Let that red flag rise up, Lord, so that we can then be strengthened with all your might to cast down that wrong thought and live a life of peace. Father, I just ask right now that you would shine the light on every ungodly thought in every person. And let us be the, the type of Phineas that would skewer the sin and the sinful thoughts and the sinful thought life and, and the anxiety and worry and fear. Not play with it. But Lord, we would handle it. Lord, let us be that kind of Phineas so that we can have a life that helps every evil be dissolved instead of every evil manifest. Lord, thank you for it. I just declare right now peace over every person's mind and over their homes in Jesus' name that's hearing this. Peace and grace be over their minds in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Now, as we're wrapping up today, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and go to verse 29. You know, each day... Each day we actually uh, give an opportunity for people to give and to sow into the kingdom of God. And so let's look at this verse again, verse, verse 29. 
It says this, Why did you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and you honored your sons above me by, by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering? They had dishonored the offering. They had dis, dishonored the offering. Let's see. I want to find this one verse here. Yes, verse 17. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. They despised the offering of the Lord. You know, every day, this broadcast, Lunch Plus, is always given for free. But there's, there's a time when we say, Lord, I want to sow into your kingdom. And I hear this, I don't want to despise the offering. We're not just talking about the tithe. We're talking about the offering where I purpose in my heart to say, Lord, I see what you're doing. I want to advance your will and your plan in this earth. And I want to sow into your kingdom for your sake and for the kingdom's sake, Lord. I want to sow for Jesus' namesake. I want to sow into the kingdom of God. And so the broadcast is always given and sown into you. But there, we know that God puts it on people's heart. We want to sow into the broadcast. And if you'd like to do that, you can go on Facebook. You can type in hashtag donate and the amount. Uh, everybody can also go to givebc.org. But here's the key that I want to look at is let's not be the people that despise the offering of God or that lightly esteem it. No, we see it for what it is. Lord, an offering is precious to you. And I want to be the kind of person that offers to you, not, not a offering that has half of my heart. Lord, I want to, I don't want to lightly esteem it. Esteem it a little, but not the full amount and therefore despise it. I want to give you all of my heart. I want to give you all of myself. So Lord, I'm asking you, whatever you want me to give, just write it on my heart and whatever you tell me, I will sow. As we learn to honor God and learn, learn to honor him, even in our offerings, then all of a sudden God says, I'm honored and now I will honor you. Father, I just pray right now that everybody who's already given, there's already been multiple people who have sown today. Lord, I just ask that you would bless that. Lord, pour out your honor upon them. They heard a message of, of your honor and knowledge of you. And even before it was offering time, they started honoring you with their seed. They started honoring you. Lord, as they have honored you, I just ask, Lord, that you would bless it, Lord. Let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over back into their life. Lord, let it overflow in their lives. Lord, pour out your honor in their lives in every way. We praise you, we worship you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, I'm so excited to hear the testimonies of peace that come, from, come to your house. I'm so excited to hear about the overflow of the power of God in your finances. Lord, pour it out in their lives today. Pour it out, overflow it. And we want to hear about those testimonies. It's going to be awesome as God just turns these things in your life. He turns all of that negative. And all of a sudden, when we deal with the unruly uh, children, Children of worry, fear, anxiety, of ungodly thoughts. All of a sudden, the peace of God will overflow our lives. We just praise God for you. Thank you for joining us on Lunch Plus. Barrett's going to wrap it up. And so I just hand it over uh, to her now. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow.
Wasn't that such a powerful word? God is so good. Like I already have plans to go back and rewatch this. <laughs> it was super good. If you haven't done it already, go ahead and share the broadcast because someone you know, like I, there are so many people I know, including myself, need to watch this broadcast again and again. So if you haven't done it already, share the broadcast. Today was such a good one. And tomorrow, it's going to be another great broadcast as well, because we are going to have dad joke battle tomorrow. Tomorrow's lineup looks like word sneak. Then we're going to hop into what's good. We're going to have a time of confession and then dad joke battles. Who do you think is going to be on and who do you think is going to win? You're going to have to tune in tomorrow because it's it's too good for me to talk to you about today. You're just going to have to tune in live tomorrow morning, 11.45 a.m. And if you are at all interested in coming and being a part of the Lunch Plus broadcast, we would love to have you come and be a part of that. You can reach out to us directly and get more information. We'd love to have you join us. Even if it's just being a live studio audience member, we'd love to have you here. We love you and we believe in you and what the Lord is doing in your life. He's good. His mercy endures forever. And we just, we praise God for what he's doing in you and through you. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 1145 a.m. here on Lunch Plus.